This episode is brought to you by Arden Labs Education. Sign up today to learn advanced concepts in Go, Docker, Kubernetes, Terraform, and more. Visit ardenlabs.com forward slash education for more information. Welcome to the Arden Labs podcast, our special guest today. All the way up in the northeast of the United States is Matthew Sanbri. Oh my God, I messed up your last name again. San Sena. Wait, wait. I'm going to say this right. We're going to do this. Sanabria. Sanabria. Matthew Sanabria. Don't edit that out. I I want people to see how bad I struggle with with these names. With these. Oh man, my wife's going to kill me. I can't even. She wants me. Do you? Yeah, no, it's not good. It's not good. Anyway, Matthew, thank you for joining us today on the on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You're coming from New Jersey, if I remember. Yep, yep. I'm in New Jersey. I did live in Florida for a little bit. As you know, that's where I, I took your, your courses. Uh, and then I moved back up to New Jersey, and that's where I am. Man, you're like Jersey City, right? You're you get you go see Buddy all the time. No, he's in uh, Hoboken. Are you in Jersey City or Hoboken? He's in he's in like Hoboken, I think, and he moved around. I I moved uh, a little bit more in like the centralish Jersey, even though I don't think Central Jersey is is a thing. Um, so I'm a little bit like in the middle, more in the suburbs. Wait, 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 wait. So you don't have the city skyline anymore? Nope, no cities, no city skyline, no city life. I I need grass for my dogs to run around in. So growing up in New York, the, what you would always ask somebody from New Jersey is what exit they're off. Like it was the that's how you could tell where people are from. So so I, you don't tell anybody what exit you're on, but the the Jersey Turnpike is like how you locate people in in New Jersey. <laughs> like what's your what's your exit number? <laughs> I'm below Nork. I think Nork's like 15 or something, but I'm below that. I'm a little bit more south of Nork. And on the parkway, I'm in the 130s in the parkway. So does that put you, because I don't remember, does that put you, because now I, for New Jersey, I do two things, right? It's like, what exit are you? And then like, are you closer to Philadelphia or New York? New York. Yep. Okay. Um, so I'm actually right by Staten Island. I'm like, I can probably oh. walk to the bridge probably <laughs> i'm pretty close oh there. so you're not that far you're not that far south it's really funny in my head because when i ask the question are you closer to new york or philadelphia i kind of have like a bias a little bit like if you're closer to new york for me you're cooler than if you're... <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why dude I, I i have nothing against philadelphia but i just have this thing in my head like like if you're closer to Philadelphia, you're not part of the tri-state area. I think that's what it is. You're not part of the tri-state. I, I could I could agree with that. Yeah, I could agree with that. Like the the people that are closer to Philadelphia, it's a completely different New Jersey to them, right? Like their New Jersey and our New Jersey up here is very different. Yeah, yeah. So and yeah, so that's kind of why I, it's kind of funny. So okay, so we gotta we gotta move on. <laughs> But okay, we gotta move on. Okay, so tell everybody. Um, take a couple minutes. Tell everybody what you're doing today. Yeah, so I'm a software engineer at HashiCorp. Um, I'm working on the Terraform Enterprise product, which is the on-premise version of our SaaS offering. So if you need to, you know, run it in your data center or in your own public or private cloud account, uh, you would use Terraform Enterprise to do that. 
primarily writing Go, although like these days I, I am doing a lot of mentoring um, on my team and off my team. So I got into this role because like I kind of entered through an infrastructure background and I only recently in the past couple of years got into like software. Um, so that's kind of what brought me to to HashiCorp. But yeah, that's that's what I'm working on from a work perspective. Outside of work, I, I do like to help others and, and mentor them and, you know, have other hobbies like working out, playing with my dogs, um, motorcycles, all that stuff. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And my wife's trying to start her own business. Wait, 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 wait. Your wife allows you to have a motorcycle? Well, you know, it's one of those things where I had it before we got together. Uh, and then the as, as we I got made. together, yeah, it's I started riding it less and less. That's the mistake I made. And well, you know, my first marriage, I wanted a motorcycle and she was like, no. And then, you know, I got divorced and I'm, and literally my brain said, okay, now I can, there's nobody to tell me no about the motorcycle, right? But do you think Bill got a motorcycle before he got remarried? <laughs> no. So now I think I had mentioned it to my, my wife and she's like, no. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like I I like some dangerous hobbies. I don't know, you know, I don't want to say. I have my motorcycle helmet here in the background, and my wife she's been on it one time, and she was absolutely terrified, and we barely hit like thirty miles an hour. So it was one of those things, and I haven't really ridden it in the past couple of months. I don't really have anywhere to go, right? Because I work from home, and all my riding friends, you know, are working different shifts and. It's like, where do I take it? I used to take it to work. Do you have one of those speed bikes or you have like one of those Harleys that you can ride a little bit more distance on? It's right in the middle. It's like a standard bike. It's a Ducati Monster. So it's like a, it's not a, a sport sort of bike. Yeah, but it's not the but sport like, one. It's, it's more comfortable. Okay. Yeah, because that Jim Carrey movie when the guy wants the loan for the Ducati. <laughs> yeah, it's fast, so, but it's not like the fastest. I knew a guy that you're going to find, I, I got to tell you this. I, I knew a guy that took a bike trip from like Miami, somewhere in California, and then like Toronto. So imagine doing all that on a, on a bike, man. Ah, oh, that's, see, I couldn't do that. The longest ride I've done was from like Northern New Jersey down to Wildwood, New Jersey, which was about two, two and a half hours. That was like the longest single ride I've done. And that was kind of miserable at the end my butt's like so sore my arms are like ready to stretch and it was one of those you know what i it, it just occurred to me like everything is now electric cars right like in 10 years from now you're not even going to be able to buy a gas powered car but are there companies producing these electric bikes yet i don't think i've seen one there's there's a few of them. Har Harley's trying to do their own um, electric line of motorcycles. And I think there was either it's called Mission or Zero, I forget, or both of them. I don't remember. But they're um, a company that's also producing electronic motorcycles. But like, I don't know how good they are yet, right? Because the, the thing about a car being electric is that, you know, you have the area to put a battery on a bike. You don't have as much area to like put oh. a battery in there, you know? So like, I don't heavy. know how the range is. Yeah. And the, I mean, the bike's a little but lighter. I but... wonder if they're not, I'm sure they're as heavy as an engine, no? Are, are, is a motorcycle engine light? No, it's, it's, it's fairly heavy. I mean, the, a total motorcycle is probably anywhere between like 
300, 400 pounds, like in, in total weight. I know because I had to pick them up before, <laughs> but um, they, uh, yeah, the engine's pretty heavy. And I would say if you swap out the engine for a battery, like, I guess that's about the same weight, but can it hold that much charge, right? And give you that range? I'm not sure. All right. Well, unfortunately, this is not the podcast to talk about yeah. <laughs> uh, any of that, but it was, you know, these things pop in my head and I've, I got to ask questions. You know, one thing you said about Terraform as a SaaS product, I never thought, like, I don't do ops, dude. I, I want to push that off to anybody, anybody who raises their hand. And what little you and I have done with Terraform, it was a script and me running a CLI tool. I never thought about Terraform being a SaaS product. So it's the idea I can log into a website, maybe that is running an Amazon and tell it to create for me a, an environment. Like I just script it in the browser. Is that what the SaaS product is? Not just scripting in the browser, but like Terraform has this concept of like workspaces where each workspace represents a different, basically deployment of infrastructure. So you would link those workspaces up to repositories that house your actual Terraform configuration. And then you would log into the web app uh, for Terraform Enterprise or Terraform Cloud. And you say, hey, like run this workspace to the, you know, to deploy my, my app, right? Or run this other workspace to deploy my app in staging. And you do it that way. And the reasoning why like it's it's pretty beneficial is that now you have an API to code against, right? So you can integrate it into your workflows. And then you get some other features on top of that, like good state management, cost estimation, like policy enforcement, things of that nature. So not just anyone can go in and click the button to deploy, right? You have that that R back and that that auditing aspect. So But I, I took my Terraform document and put it in a GitHub repository and you read it from there. Exactly. Yeah, that's one way. And then you could also use the CLI directly to push your Terraform configuration, or you can use the API directly and say like, here's my Terraform configuration, do the thing. I like the idea of the cost analysis. Like before you do this, you better have uh, $10,000 a month in your, in your account, essentially. Yeah, the cost estimation stuff is pretty cool. It shows you like how much more or less that these changes are going to be right so if you have a commit that adds you know 30 virtual machines and you go to run the plan to see what it was going to do it'll show you like hey that's going to cost you x number of dollars you know uh, and then someone could deny that or like tell you to go you know redo this and do 25 vms instead or or whatever it may be right generates that conversation that way you're not just blind Actually, now what I want is a line. I want a budget, a max, a max budget number in the Terraform script that says if I made a mistake, don't deploy anything beyond this particular monthly amount, right? Because I could fat finger something. That's where the policy enforcement comes into play. So you would basically write a policy that says like if the if the change of price goes from this to that, don't let this be applied, et cetera, et cetera. Like you can layer that on top, which is really nice. Um, we call that Sentinel and that's like our policy enforcement thing. So, dude, I had no idea that stuff exists, but now my brain's going in a million directions on what. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's basically HashiCorp kind of follows that like, like open core model, right? Where the core product is open source and then the enterprise features are built around it to support it, but by no means like necessary, right? Like you don't need to pay for the enterprise product. You can still use the open source product, no problem, right? And you know we've done that. We've used Terraform together, and and deployed things. 
So now I'm curious, um, since a Terraform file is essentially a configuration, right? Have you or anyone started looking at QLang, C-U-E Lang? Oh uh, yeah, I, I know I know QLang. I haven't looked at it recently, but one of my coworkers mentioned to me about about like a year or two ago, and I think it was a what was the purpose of it to like do like some sort of validation, right, or something like that. I forget the exact. I mean, it's it's really good on. I, I I like to think of it at a super high level as data, a, a language that allows you to write like code schemas. that can do data validation. Think yeah. of it more like data validation, right? But that Terraform file is data. There's a state machine really related to it as well. Like, if you do this, then you have to do that here, and if you do this, you don't want to do that. And it might be interesting to have some QLang. Uh, programs that could also validate any, I, I, I imagine you have some form of validation there as well to make sure that you're not submitting something that's just absolutely wrong. Yeah, yeah there's there's a validation at the syntax level. Uh, and then like, we don't really have a validation at the like logical level, like, hey, you know, you're deploying a load balancer, but you're not actually connecting it to anything, right? Like we don't have that validation yet, but that would be pretty interesting to to like include, I, I have heard of QLang and I haven't used it in a while. Wow, I'm surprised you mentioned that because that's I haven't heard that in a while. I think that's the tech you need. To, I think you could get something up and running really quickly with that tech. I, I, I'm super. I, I wish I was more in the ops space, though. Again, I call it a data, no, don't data do validation <laughs> tool. So you can use. Well, I'm going to move to the ops space, but when you think of it not as configuration validation, but as data validation it now kind of opens up doors to streams of data that are coming in. Could we could we leverage it there? I don't know enough, but this is my project next year. This year has been really understanding everything about the blockchain space and the tech. Uh, and I'm pretty close to being exactly where I wanted to be at the end of the year. Um, next year, it's going to be QLang. I really want to explore this programming language. The team they have is like, an all-star team of people it's silly crazy the team that they have over there yeah one of my coworkers brought it up to me and i forgot what we i forgot oh we were we were going to use it to parse some configuration and check if it was valid that's what we were that's what we were going to use it for not not terraform something different and i remember he brought it up and i was like oh this looks really cool and we ended up didn't we ended up not using it because we went in a different direction entirely but i saw it and i was like that's that's a pretty cool uh language all right, so we got to get this show on the road. Anybody who's listening is like, Bill, come on. I want to learn about Matthew. Stop <laughs> talking about this stuff. I'm with you. I want to start learning about Matthew. So before we start, a couple questions. We start with what year did you graduate high school, Matthew? Uh, 2010. 20. So you're like, you're like a, a called I'm a 30, spring yeah. chicken, I'm man. 30. You're spring. <laughs> All right. If you've listened to the podcast, you heard me say this before. My wife and I say that we're summer chickens now. You know, we're summer <laughs> yeah, chickens. Time is you're, fast. you're you're a spring chicken, man. That's that's cool. Okay, and um, the other question that uh, I don't want you to think too hard. Just keep your mind. I want you to clear your mind, free, breathe, whatever you got to do. Clear your mind, and then the very first thought that pops in your head when you um, can remember working on a computer. And kind of had one of these like light bulb moments or this kind of joy or something 
something like first earliest memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely when I used Linux for the first time in, in a college course, right? I didn't grow up in a computer household. Like my parents did not know, and they still don't know anything about computers. So my first kind of interactions with computers were more in like high school, college. And I remember when I used Linux for the first time, I was like, you can use a CLI to do the same things from a UI. Like I was like, what's going on? And my mind was blown, right? Like the professor showed us uh, moving a file using the mouse and then it showed up in the CLI and then moving a file in the CLI and it showed up in like the UI file explorer. And I was like, what is this? It was just, I don't know. It was one of those things where you didn't know it for a, for a while. You, you didn't know what happened. And then you're like, wait, this is, it's all the same thing. It was a really nice realization. And that's what kind of like jumpstarted my love for Linux and why I use it all the time now. Okay, but that's super interesting because you're you're kind of telling me that com the computer didn't really enter into your life till end of maybe after high school. So so I, I want you I want you to kind of come back into the beginning of high school, that ninth grade. You're probably like fourteen years old. Like, what are you interested in? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. I was playing sports, you know, doing karate, you know, trying to go on dates, like all of that stuff, right? Typical teenage boy crap. Dude, you're 14, trying to date at 14. Yeah, Especially listen, it was one of those things, right? You? you know, high school. Where you know, Where are you growing to... up? Are you in Jersey? At yeah, the I'm in where Jersey. Are you up? Yep, I'm in Jersey. Jersey City. Up. You're like no, um, I'm like in another suburb, but like a little, actually, about maybe 15, 20 minutes west of, of Jersey City. Okay, so you're. Okay, but you're in a suburb. So, so okay. What sports are you playing? You you playing uh, baseball oh, primarily. Um, baseball. And what was your position? Do we? Uh, I did base? a lot of center field for a while. So I was more. Dude, of an you have to be fast. Field. You have to yeah. be fast to play center field, man. I mean, that's not. You're the captain out there, dude. Yeah, I was, center field is great. You can see the whole field. Just like catcher, right? Catcher, you can see the whole field. So it's one of those like you know positions where you kind of have a little bit of authority of of what you're doing. Uh, so it's nice playing a lot of sports, hung out with my friends a lot, rode bicycles around, right? Like typical teenage teenage things. Go spend more time outdoors than indoors, and like we didn't really have a lot of computing in in our in our life or in our high school, right? My parents didn't know anything about computers, and I didn't have one in the house until I think like Dell was a thing, right? Windows XP, I believe, was my first. OS that I use. And I mainly just use that for AOL to go on <laughs> to see if my friends are on uh, instant messenger and, and chat with them. Right. I had no idea what programming was. But you're not playing games. You're not playing games at all. You don't even have a gaming console in the house. I'm not a game person. So, I mean, but dude, you're my a spring yeah. chicken. So the gaming consoles that I was playing was mostly like Xbox. Um, I mean, I started with Nintendo 64 and stuff like that and, and Dreamcast and Genesis, but when I really got into gaming, it was more the Xbox stuff, especially when Xbox Live came about. The whole Halo scene was a big thing when I was growing up, right? Halo 1, Halo 2. So that's the big thing, dude. You were either a PlayStation person or an Xbox. There was, I mean, some people had both, but but you were an Xbox. You were on the yeah, Xbox on side, Xbox not the side. PlayStation. Right. Definitely did, on the Xbox side. Why? What, what's wrong with the PlayStation, dude? Why? Why? Why are you being? Why are you so biased, man? <laughs> the, I love the PlayStation, but I only played like single-player games on it. I never really played multiplayer games on on the PlayStation. I only ever played multiplayer on the Xbox because that's what my friends had, right? Like that was the, that was the thing to play. Like, oh, after school we're playing Halo, right? Like, yep, that's all we're doing. Like, we're playing Halo. 
See, I I was I used to tease the, the boys that I could beat them in all these games, but the joystick was just mind blowing to me. I couldn't do it. But when we came out, oh man, those kids could not beat me in any <laughs> Guitar Hero, bowling. Like they wouldn't play Wii against me because they knew they were going to lose. Like I could handle the Wii. I I thought the Wii was the most amazing thing when it came out. So like I had that computer in my house, right? That I was using mostly for instant messaging and mostly right to 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 hang out with my friends and talk to them and keep up with them after school. Because mind you, right? We didn't have cell phones at that point in time yet, right? Like it was still a new concept. Uh, and even if we did, it wasn't like guaranteed that your friends had cell phones. How you talk to one another was linking up on AOL Instant Messenger and talking to each other. So I had no ideas. I had no idea at that time that computers like were programmed or I had no idea about any of that stuff, right? I just saw it as like a tool that you use to communicate with others. I had no idea there was a whole programming um, aspect to it. But like there came a point in time where one of my friends took me to Micro Center, which is a, a pretty big computer store. And he's like, yeah, you can build computers. And I was like, what do you mean build computers? Like, yeah, you just pick all these parts, you throw them together and you have your own computer. And I was like, no way. Like it blew my mind, right? Because at, at first I was like, no, computers, you have to buy from Dell, right? You have to buy them from Compaq. You have to buy them from places that already sell them pre-built. And he's like, no, you can build your own. It's just a bunch of parts. And that blew my mind. Um, and one of my friend's dads, he was in like the computer industry. And he had like this office full of computer parts and was talking, you know, we were talking about them and whatnot. And like that kind of, those two events jumpstarted my interest in computers. I was like, oh, this is a whole thing this is a whole field here so i built my first computer and kept going that way and i still didn't get into programming then right like i was still just seeing it as a tool to game on now right i built a computer now for gaming and i moved from the xbox to uh pc gaming right like battlefield and stuff how did you pay for the parts were they given to you your parents gave you money you had a job parents and, and myself yeah both parents and myself my parents like i kind of was like hey i need a computer for college and i don't want a laptop and they're like, oh, yeah, let's, let's, and I was like, I want to build one. And we went to Micro Center and we built one. And um, I remember like, this was as I was approaching into like the college territory, right? And I remember talking to the Micro Center manager. I was like, hey, like, this place is awesome. Like, do you have any job openings? And she's like, yeah, come bring your resume. And like the very next day I brought my resume. I was like, yeah, I want to work here. And, you know, just one of those go-getter moments where it's like, if you want something, you got to ask, right? Nobody's going to like give you anything. And I ended up working at Micro Center. And that's when I started learning way more about computers, right? Like this so is you got memory. a part time job there because you're yep. you're in high school. You're yep, senior high school, high school, college. Exactly. Yep. So they gave you a part time job. And were you just basically doing inventory there? Or were you helping customers? Put things? I started off working in the camera department and the TV department. So like selling cameras and TVs. And then I moved into the computer department where you build your own computer. Um, so I was selling customers like, you know, their, their processors or routers or memory or motherboards or things like that. And that's when I learned about this whole ecosystem of like, not every processor can go into every motherboard. There's a compatibility, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like all of that stuff I, I started to learn and it was pretty fun. So it was, I'm glad that I ended up going there. Okay. But now, now it's interesting to me because you're playing sports, you're, you're working at this this uh, computer company, you know, retail, but you're, you're doing that. You're going to graduate high school, dude. What is in your head in terms of what's next? It sounds like you, you had college in your mind, but but what were you going to go study in college? I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you, Bill. Like in high school, I was, I was, 
I was in the honors program, but I was like one of those honors kids that just like, I, I'd fall asleep in the class, right? Like I was definitely not a tryhard. I was just there. I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm, I'm in the honor. Like, oh, don't you want to graduate top whatever percent? I'm like, no, I just, I just want to live my life. Thank you. And I remember going into the. So wait, 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 wait. So you were in the honors, but was it that you were getting A's without any work or you were getting C's without any work? I was definitely getting A's and B's without much work. Like I remember falling asleep in physics and math classes and like waking up, taking the exam, getting like 98s and then going back to sleep. Right, so school was just, that's cool. I mean, I, that wasn't me, but school is easy for you. The material wasn't, wasn't difficult for you. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. And like, I just did the work, right? Like that, that's, that's basically what I did was I put in some effort when the teacher said, read the chapter tonight. I read the chapter, right? Like I didn't do anything fancy. I didn't go like, you know, off of my own and do whatever. I just, I read the chapter. I made sure that I understood what I was reading and then I closed the book and then I went on with my day and played Halo, right? So I didn't, I don't know. It was one of those things where if you, if you do this, if you give it some effort first, I promise you it wouldn't, it's not that bad once you, once you go through it. So that was kind of my high school. I cannot guess at all at this point what you decided you wanted to do going into into college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, um, so I was taking. I took an auto tech class in high school because I was interested in cars and and stuff. Right, like that's where my motorcycle stuff came from too. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll be like a mechanic or whatever. And then my guidance counselor was like, no, you're too smart to be a mechanic. Don't take auto tech anymore. Go take more advanced. Uh, classes that are more focused on your brain and stuff like that. And I was like, but, but auto tech, I want to take auto tech. So that kind of confused me. And she was like, you have to apply to five something colleges to make sure you get into something. I was like, no, I'm applying to one. Thank you. Cause I don't, you know, I don't want to go out of state and I don't want to pay a lot of money. So I'm going to apply to one near, near where I live. Um, and she's like, no, you're not. What if you don't get in? I was like, I'm getting in. Don't worry. Like, so I applied to that one college, got in. And this was around the time. Wait, wait, I want to, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I'm, I'm really disappointed that the answer to, I want to be a mechanic was you're too smart for that. I mean, just step back and think about how ridiculous the bias is those, on that. Yeah. Trust me. I, know. I can't it's, take was... a car apart and put it back together, dude. I mean, I'm impressed with the few people I have in my life that can do that. Super impressed. dude. That's not like obvious it's very difficult and like i worked on my own cars and motorcycles before i watched mechanics at the like the place i take my bike to get worked on i watched how meticulous they were and how they like literally dissected this thing and put it back together and like it is an art and like that's why that memory sticks to me to this day because like my guiding counselor she was great right she was nice she was fine like um nice lady but yeah the bias was clearly there right like i didn't go to a uh a rich high school. I didn't go to a poor high school. I went like just middle class, right? So the idea was that every everyone was like, "You got to go to college. You got to go to college. You got to go to college." That was all our parents and teachers ever said. But they never said like, "Find out what you like and do what you like." They were just like, "Make sure you go to college. That's the way to success," right? So it was hard to overcome that mindset. So I was like, "Yeah, I'll apply to college. Damn, just like let me let me get there." But this was around the time of 2008, right? Because I'm now becoming like a junior in high school, and you know this whole Iron Man movie came out. I'm working on cars and I like have in my mind that I'm just going to be a mechanical engineer and be like Tony Stark, right? Like everyone's dream. 
So I go into college with mechanical engineering. I was, I was doing mechanical engineering. Now, is this a community college? Is this a local school? Are you still living at home or you went away? It's State Say University. It um, okay. I was living at home. It was NGIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology. Uh, pretty, pretty good school in New Jersey. And it was close to home. Um, so it was literally seven minutes from door to door. I'd take my motorcycle, seven minutes. And you decide, so this is a four-year liberal arts or Bachelor of Science in Bachelor Mechanical Science, Engineering. Yeah. In mm -hmm. mechanical engineering. This is what you're going to do. Yep. You're going to be Tony I'm Stark. Go, yeah, I'm going to be Tony Stark. I'm going to go into okay. college. I'm going to do mechanical engineering. I get That's there. That's fair. Did you know what mechanical engineering really was? Not, no, no, no. I okay. didn't know anything. I just knew I had to go to college and I knew I it had was to mechanical. do something. It yeah. was mechanical. It's going to get yep. me as close to a car as possible. Exactly. <laughs> so I go to college and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be Tony Stark. My first semester, I just like bomb, right? I I think I had like a 2.1 or something GPA. I, I was bombed. That's because you can't just read the book and go play games for the first time in your life. Exactly. And I had to manage my own schedule, right? High school, they kind of shuffled you along. They're like, go to your next class, go to your next class. Now I'm like, oh shit, I got to manage my own schedule and do things. Uh, so then I had this brief stint where I was like, maybe I'll just go to criminal justice or something because I like, I like firearms. I like this stuff. I'm strong. I can run. I can do all this stuff. I was like, maybe I'll do that. And I talked myself out of that pretty quickly. And then I, that's where that interest of computers all came into the thing, right? It all started to converge there. And I was like, wait, can I do something with computers that makes money? And then like everywhere around was like, yeah, IT, 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 IT. So I changed my degree or I changed my major from mechanical engineering to IT. And I moved down that. But how many, wait, time out, time out, time out, time out. You did all this in your freshman year? After my freshman year is when I switched. So, so freshman year what was mechanical engineering. So what mechanical engineering classes did you take, if any, your freshman year? I believe it was like some more calculus stuff, more mathy classes, and there was I think one robotics class was that was pretty cool, and I liked that, uh, and it was focused more on like programming the robots, and that was fun. But mainly, I just saw that like the classes that I would have to take going forward were things that I weren't really interested in, right? I think like strength of materials and things like that. I was like, I don't really care. Yeah. I see. So you started looking at the curriculum and you were yep. like, whoa, 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 whoa. Which, I, not... which I probably should have done before going to college. Right. But you know, my siblings and I were the first ones in our family to go to college, right? Like I'm the youngest, so they beat me to it, but we're the first level of our family to go to college. So it's like, we don't know what we're doing, right? Like we don't have our parents to talk to and be like, yeah, what did you do mom when you were in college? Like I didn't go to college. Like, what did you do? Dad didn't graduate high school. So it's like, don't have much to go on there and you're kind of just winging it. So, yeah. You know what I, what I think I've heard this forms of this story a few times. And I think what happens is that the word engineering is involved. And that seems like, you know, Matthew needs to be an engineer. So, choose something with the word engineer in it because computer it's not computer engineering it's computer science like that might as well be biology at the end of the day uh at, at least during these this time period right so I, I i wouldn't be surprised if that had some sort of play in you originally oh yeah no you know my mom was definitely like proud parent right like my son's going to mechanic like to be a mechanical engineer mechanical engineer mechanical engineer, right like using that term proud mother moment whatever and then when I said I was going to switch to IT, 
they they were like, you know, are you sure you want to do this? What do you, you know, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. But mind you, like when I quit my first job as a, as like a ShopRite employee, like a supermarket, my mom was like, what are you doing? You can't quit. You have to stay there for life, right? Like she was one of those people where it's like, be happy with the job you have. Like don't quit. She was very upset with me when I quit. I was like, mom, but I'm going to micro center. I'm going to do computer things, right? Like had to convince her that. So it was the same story when I switched from mechanical engineering to IT. She's like, you're throwing your life away. How dare you do this? Like, I'm like, no, it's going to be fine. I promise. It's IT. It's computers. I love it. And plus it's the same school and you're not necessarily losing credits. It's not like you went super backwards, right? You still need the calculate. I mean, I would imagine. Yeah, most of my credits transferred over to the new curriculum. Uh, there were a few that didn't, but like whatever, I just took a winter and summer class to, to catch back up, um, like to where I needed to be for timeline wise. And it worked out. My grades went up, right? I actually cared about what I was doing. I was enjoying it. And then I started taking more computer courses, found Linux eventually. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. And like really dove in, right? I found what I really liked. Um, and I, I loved it, right? I ended up graduating and, and like then going for my master's as well. So wait, so slow down, slow down, slow down. So, but this degree that you were getting was really more about ops than it was computer science, Correct. right? Like yep. you were learning how to go on. Yeah. Like what was the core? What did you, in those four years, as you're about to graduate, what is, what's your skill set at that point? Correct. It's more about, it was more about the operations side of things. I had no idea that computer science was, I didn't know what computer science was compared to the IT. I was just like, IT seems to be the thing that everyone's doing. Let me go down that path, blah, blah, blah. But yes, after after getting the degree, my skill set was basically like knowing about computers, how to how to build them, how do they network with each other, how to install applications and manage them, like sysadmin style skills, right? Like being able to manage. Were you still working at the retail stores at that whole four years? Yeah, and I, I got, not the whole four years, I got an internship somewhere in, the, in when I was in college. I forget the exact year. But I got an internship with a local company doing their help desk, right? Like, so IT help desk. And um, I was doing that internship and working part-time. Uh, and then they offered me a full-time gig to come on and I took it, right? Did you like, I, I don't like IT support. I did it for a little while. It's not easy. No, I, I had a meltdown. Like <laughs> I went in, you know, right. When someone offers you 21 something dollars an hour for an internship as a whatever year old that I was 20 something year old, I'm like, yeah, $20 an hour. This is the most money. I'm rich. Like, right? I'm rich. There's a lot of money at the time you're living at right. home and exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's I'm like, I'm rich. Money. This is great. I took it, got there. And like the help desk was for the executive team only. So like the C levels and their reports. So like it wasn't helped us for the whole company. It was just for the C-levels and up. And it was fine, but I have to dress up nice. I have to shave my my beard and all that stuff, which I didn't have much of a beard back then. But I had to, you know, be clean cut, well-dressed to go under desks to fix printers and computers and set them up and set up iPhones and Blackberries to do this. I have to be dressed up for this? No, like I was miserable, right? And that was like a point I was like, I was so pissed with my IT degree. I was like is this what my IT degree is going to be? Is this going to be the rest of my life? I don't want it to be that way. And I started looking at joining the FBI. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm going to the FBI. And I applied and I got pretty far and I withdrew from that. But um, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, I was just very, very upset with like my, my career tra trajectory, right? I was like, I don't want to do IT help desk for the rest of my life. 
But you were applying for the FBI while you were still in university or after you After graduated? I graduated and got my IT degree. All right. So at some point that doesn't work out. So what do you just, you, I imagine you were applying as you were close to graduation. Or, yeah, more or less. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that doesn't that, work out. That didn't work out. I'm not really in love with my job. So what do I do? <laughs> what is a smart decision I do? I decide that like, I really like Linux and I want to learn more about it. And I, as I was talking with people, it seemed that getting certificates was a good way to get another job, right? Like getting certified in something, right? So I was like, you know what, what's a really good cert for Linux? And I did some research and I found Red Hat's um, system admin certificate. And I was like, how can I get this? And they had courses like, in person that you can take and then you would take the test and get certified. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take one of these courses. How much could it be? Looked at the price. It was like five thousand. Like two grand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It yeah. was like uh, not it was cheap. five grand for the in-person one-week course with the exam at the end. And I was like, oh shit! Like, yeah. this is <laughs> I more expensive than college. <laughs> yep. I was like, I don't have five thousand dollars just to to pay one time. So I was like, wait, I want a better job. I don't like where I am. Let's do this. I went to the bank and I was like, can you please give me a credit card that has at least five thousand something dollars on it for a limit so I can just charge it? and get this course and they ended up giving you know giving it to me and uh i literally went at like 22 percent interest yeah about like 20 up exactly like <laughs> thanks for the, they looked at me like thanks for the money like so i got the credit card charged it and went to the course right i was like this is i'm i'm all in right i'm all in on this um did the course loved it took the exam got a perfect score for the exam which was really interesting because like you know, I really studied hard that week and I really like picked up the material. And I, to that day, that's like one of the best things that taught me Linux, got that certificate. And I just started applying to all these other jobs. I was like, Hey, you know, who's hiring, who's hiring, who's hiring. And then I eventually went to a startup called Wicker. Um, and that's where I really learned a lot more about Linux and this matter. Where was Wicker located? That was a job you had to commute to where was it was about two blocks away from where I was working at the, at, uh, previously, you know, they were in like this startup incubator space and they were like about two blocks away. I joined, they gave so me 10,000 talking. More so you did that in 2015, you, you get that job and yeah, I have to look back at the dates, but about that time. So how long did, how long was the certification class that you paid five grand for? Was that it a was a one week course? Literally. Five grand for one week. Yep. Eight hours a day, Monday through Thursday, and then the exam on Friday. So now I have to, and how long did it take after that to get this job at, at Wicker? Uh, about a couple couple months, I believe. I was just applying and then, you know, I uh, one of my former professors, he is the founder of this company. And I talked to him and I was like, hey, I'm looking for a job. Like, do you have anything? He's like, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm starting this company. Come work for me. And I did. Right. I. So I have to ask you what the starting salary was, just because you went from $20 an hour and a $5,000 debt at 22% interest. So when I was the intern, I was like $20 an hour and change. When they hired me as full time, I was at 60K a year, right? $60,000 a year. Oh, I like that. I heard $20,000 bump. Okay. Yeah. And That's then when I, when I went to the 
when I hated that job and I did my cert and went to the next job, I went from 60,000 to 70,000, right? Startup, like I'm new. They didn't want to pay me as like, so much, but for me, I was like $10,000. Yeah, this is great. You know, I was excited. I mean, it's almost an extra thousand a month, maybe like 600 extra a month, right? But that was this, that wasn't this Wicker, that was another job. No, that was Wicker, yeah. That was going to oh, that Wicker. Was Wicker. They, that gave was me, they gave me okay. 70K going to Wicker. And that's like 2015 ish, I would imagine. Correct. Yeah, just the start of 2015 is when I did Wicker. Um, so, what were you doing? Mind, there? Same it, stuff. Right? Like, I, oh, no, 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 no. Dude, now you got a company under your belt, you're full time. Now you can pay back the five grand fairly quickly. Exactly. Yeah, in my mind, I was like, I paid 5K to get an extra 10K per year. Math checks out. Let's go. Right. Forget about taxes. It, we're in a vacuum here. But in my mind, I was like, this is a, this is a great move. Right. And it was, a, it was a culture shock almost because it was a startup. And I went from suit, you know, dress up, no shave, or sorry, suit, dress up, shave your, your, your appearance and stuff to, I don't give a shit how you come to work. Right. Come to work in, in shorts and a t-shirt. Come to work. But I, like, I don't care. Oh, by the way, there's no clocking in, no clocking out. You don't have a real start. Like, just come, come work, do your thing, go home for the day. And I was like, whoa, this is a very different culture than what I was used to in the corporate world. Um, but very fun because now I was like wearing a bunch of hats, right? Anyone that works at a startup is usually going to wear a bunch of hats when they, when they start. And I was like system administrator slash network engineer slash like you know office uh like running cables for the office and stuff like that like i was just wearing all these bunch of hats so managing production infrastructure office infrastructure office networking all of that configuring juniper switches configuring vmware esxi okay but i'm more i'm more interested i'm more interested to know if you finally left the house and you got your own place at this point you're making seven nope. thousand a year i didn't i did what? not leave the house yet no i I didn't leave the house yet. I hadn't. You, your parents didn't kick. I would have kicked you out of the house, dude. I was like, go, son, it's, go. It's one of those things where it's like they all they knew how expensive it was to, to go out on your own. And they knew I had like student loans to pay back. So they didn't really mind me staying. And plus, like we lived with my grandmother, right? Like when, when my grandmother's um, like when my grandfather died, we all moved in with my grandmother. So we're all like under one roof and like. Nobody was pressured to really leave, right? It's like leave when you're ready. So you, were you were you disciplined then to just pack cash? You don't really have a car payment. You don't have rent. You don't have. I wish I was more disciplined, but yes, I was definitely saving some money. Um, however, I. What were you spending your money on, Matthew? Because now I'm interested. What were you buying, dude? A car. A so you bought a new car. And you bought the motorcycle. Spending money on going out on dates with with women, right? Like I was, I was wasting money. I was definitely not investing my money or saving it as much as I should have. I was blowing it on certain things. You were enjoying. Let's just say, no, no, you weren't. You were enjoying. <laughs> you were enjoying the money. I was. I definitely was, and you know, happens, right? Like, did I need that new car that I bought myself? Absolutely not. But I did it anyway, right? Like, yeah, it was one of those things where I was enjoying it. But there was, there was, I, I don't have a problem with the car. You need a car. Car is a, what I call productive debt. You need it to get to work, right? So uh, all that's, I mean, all that's fair. Like you got to have a little fun. Tomorrow's not promised. But, but 
at the same time, if you did want to get out on your own, you really have to make sure that you can budget. Budget. Seventy is not a joke. I mean, that's a good salary for. Especially when you don't have the rent costs, right? Like if you don't have the rent utilities costs, like 70K is, you could bank a lot of money. Well, that's good. All right. So how long are you at this company then? How, how long are you with this company? I was at that company for 11 months because they, like all startups, right? Or like most startups, not every startup pans out. So they ran out of cash for like, or they were running out of cash closer to the end of the year and they had to cut half the people. And this was my first time ever being involved in a layoff. They took, we had like 70, about, about 70 employees at the time, maybe a little less. Uh, they said that we we're going to have some all hands meeting, put us into two separate rooms because they didn't have a conference room to fit all of us. And they were like, oh, you're this conference room, you're let go. This conference room, you're, you're safe. And I was in the one that let go. And I was like, wait, you can get let go from jobs like this? What's going on? Right? It was just my first time ever being let go. I was like, did they give you severance or you literally were just, you got like two weeks? Yeah, like two weeks because I was only there for less than a year, right? Like, you know, nothing, nothing great. But I was like, oh, crap. Okay, but you need more than two weeks to find another job. So you must one be of the sad, reasons why one of the reasons depressed. why being at my parents is wasn't a bad thing at that time, right? Because I didn't have to like I didn't have rent or something to pay that I was going to struggle. So somewhere. what did you do when you left the office? I, I've been I've been let go before. Like like I think it's a rite of passage, Matthew. But like what you do in the next like four hours is so. Did you just go home and like what did you do? I called my dad and I was like, listen, you know, I was just let go from, from my work, you know, I'm going home. I think I had, I called my girlfriend at the time, let her know too, that I'm come, coming like home or, or I'm going back home. Cause I got let go. Da, da, da. And when I went home, I kind of just like let it sink in for a second and, you know, had my dinner, spoke with my parents and whatnot, spoke with my friends and whatnot. And I was like, you know what? Time to go job hunting. And my dad was like, listen, that's my dad basically told me like, that's life. It can happen. Right. Like, you still, you have experience, you have a degree, you should be able to find another job pretty, pretty easily. So like, just start, just take your, take a second and then start looking. Right. That was the advice that I pretty much got. And although I was, I was sad, I did start looking immediately. I right? polished my resume up immediately. Right. Like that was the very first thing I did same day is resume, resume polish. And then I started applying, um, very quickly. And mind you, this is like November, 2015. So it's holiday season. Not a lot of people are really hiring at like that late into the season, right? Like you hire now for holidays. You don't hire in November, right? So then what's next, Matthew? Like I, when it, when it's used to happen to me, I would panic and be really anxious. Like it's a difficult. I did have a panic moment cause I got laid off again later, which we will get to in a second. But, uh, I ended up finding a job in New York city now. And this was for another startup, but more, more mature startup. And I got an interview there, went into the, went into the city, had my suit and tie, whatever. And they were like, oh, you don't need the suit and tie here. And I was like, well, I was always taught to go suit and tie. I'm so sorry. And it was for a, a systems engineer position, right? So like managing production infrastructure, um, Linux infrastructure, usually. I went in there. They, this was after, like, mind you, I had my certain hand still, right? So I was like, yeah, I'm Red Hat certified. Look at me, you know? And they th dropped me into a Linux machine on their like staging infrastructure. And they were like, tell me about this machine. That was the, that was the interview I had. That was my technical. They dropped me into a shell and they were like, tell me all you can about this machine. What is it doing? What is it? Is it a VM or not? Blah, blah, blah. 
And I started doing the normal command, showing them the RAM, showing them this, showing them that, giving information. And he asked me like, is this a virtual machine or not? And I was like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, I have, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're, you, you ask that question right now, my brain's going, what would I do to know I'm shelled into a VM? Like, I, I don't know right now. I'm sure we could figure it out, but I, I don't know right now. Yeah, so then I, I told him, I was like, I don't actually know how to do this, but here's all this other information. I have no idea how to tell you if it's a virtual machine. And he showed me this command called DMI decode that just decodes the hardware information and shows you certain things. That's not even foolproof, but it's a good way to to start. Um, and yes, yeah, so I got the job and I went there, you know, and it was great. I was managing production infrastructure. So when did you start there? You started there in January of like I started 16? there in December 2015. So I actually oh, started in December. Right before Christmas. Okay. How long were you at this company? For about a year and a half. So, And, and what yeah. happened a year and a half later? I met my wife. <laughs> and she's like, you're quitting this job. You you were commuting into the city at that point. Correct. Yep. I was commuting into. So at this point in my life, I was commuting into the city, into New York. But I also was offered a job at the college I graduated for to come back and teach for them. Right. They wanted me to teach Linux courses for them. So I was commuting to New York in the day, leaving New York to go teach my 6 p.m. class at New Jersey, like at, at the college and I go home. Was this a, this was a vocational class or a college? It was a college level course, right? It was their, their 300 level course that I was teaching. It was, you, it was very You were never day. home. Never home. I only came home to eat and sleep, which is another reason why I guess my parents didn't mind that I was there. Cause like I was never there. Right. So you were never there anyway, but now, now you have to tell me about how you met your wife because in the middle of all of this, you meet somebody. So I guess met is the wrong term because I knew, I've known her since I was like 14, right? She was one of the those women in high school that I was chasing after. Um, I was basically, when I went to, I was going to karate for, for a while doing karate. And there was this girl in karate there that like, you know, I liked. And she had a, a boyfriend, but she showed me like her friends on Facebook or sorry, MySpace. She was like, look at my friend. I have like, she's pretty cute. Do you like her? And I was like, yeah, I actually really do. And that, that was my wife. Um, we ended up dating, broke up for a while. She hated my guts. But then in 2017, I went to Portugal and I reconnected with her over Instagram because she's Portuguese and Brazilian. So like I reconnected with her. We bought like, you know, bonded again. And I was like, I'm moving to Florida. Right. That, that was the thing. I was like, I'm moving to Florida to be with my wife because she moved from New Jersey to Florida uh, as well that I didn't know about. So when we reconnected in 2017, I was like, where are you at? She's like, oh, I'm in Florida. I was like, oh, OK, I'm going to Florida. And that's what I did. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out, time out. Time <laughs> out. You got this great job in New York City, right? You oh, and I went from 70K to 85K there, right? So that was my right, right, 85K huh? jump. Yeah. Well, you kind of needed an extra commute and all that good stuff. Everything's, I mean, it's almost a wash. But you reconnect with this person online. She's living in Florida. You're living in New Jersey. It means that you're not really going on dates. But I imagine that you guys are talking for hours on the phone oh, yeah. or yeah. online. Video chats, phone, all that stuff. Yeah. You're, 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 you're talking. How long is it from... The time you reconnect and you're having a, a long distance relationship 
to the time you move and I guess were you all I guess you were already taking trips to Florida yeah uh from the time we reconnected to the time I moved I think was about maybe six months maybe I have to I'd have to go check when I went to Portugal because that's when we reconnected and whatever that time was to when I left that's the time but yeah but that's fine I don't have to be but you must have gone down there were you going down there frequently at some point yeah, yeah. So it was actually really funny. Um, <laughs> so we reconnected. Where to? You're saying Florida. I'm from Florida. Are we talking? I don't remember. Orlando, the Tampa. Coral Springs area. So South oh, Florida. Down by Fort Lauderdale, Coral Springs. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale, Coral oh, Springs area. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. So I'm working at this company in New York, and part of my role is to go to data centers to manage infrastructure, right? Because like they had physical co-location data centers that you have to go to and do maintenance and all that stuff, right? I did previously take a trip to Texas where one of our data centers was to, to do work there. And I do the, our, our other data center was in New Jersey. So I would just take a trip there as well. So I told my wife, well, she was my wife at the time, but I told her, I was like, Hey, I'm going to go to a trip of, I'm going to go to Texas. to work on a data center. I'll, you know, uh, I'll let you know when I land, but I didn't go to Texas. I went to Florida. So I went to Florida and I surprised her at like her job. And she was like, Holy shit. This wasn't the first time that you saw her. No, no. Because, I mean, we've known each other in the, in the no, past. No, 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 right? no, no. But from the time you reconnected, there's a moment where you physically see each other again. This, this was, was the first, first time. Yes. Oh, this my was God, dude. Yep. That's, this you was... must have been, your stomach must have been in knots. Yep. Dude, I was, a whole I was freaking out. Yep. I was freaking <laughs> out. I was telling all my friends, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. You know? So I went there, went to her job, and I was like, hey, you know, I'm here. And she's like, shocked. She's like, what the hell? She's like, this is not Texas. So we hug, whatever, we have fun. And she tells me that she has a boyfriend. <laughs> oh, dude, you had her panicking, man. Yep. She this tells me that she has time? a boyfriend. Okay. And I was like, Do you think How? This is, I, I, I love these podcasts. Did you, okay, time out, time out. Did you feel like you guys were in a relationship at that point or just friends? We weren't like in a relationship. We were definitely like, you know, feeling each other. And like, I never directly asked her if she had a boyfriend, but she never actually said she did either, right? We were flirting and whatnot. And anyway, we, I assumed that she was single and that, right. So there was that. So I was like, what do you mean? If we, like, what, what's going on? So definitely like it took the wind out of my sails. But as we spoke more about it, it was definitely not a good relationship for her that she was considering ending and blah, blah, blah. You know, she did end the relationship and we got together. And then I was like, I'm moving forward eventually but that trip was how long you were just doing a layover in for yeah, like a lot of week, like a little weekend trip maybe like a day or two nothing right like leave yeah, on but Friday, now she couldn't spend any time with you she couldn't spend any time with you she had to spend time with the boyfriend yeah yeah it was, it was very weird right i was yeah because now you're Airbnb. alone yeah i'm alone having an airbnb and oh. i was like oh, shit i was like what am i, I was like what that's am when I you call do? the airline and say i need to leave early yep <laughs> yep but yeah anyway we set we kept you know, talking and whatnot. And we entered a relationship, saw her, saw her a few more times, right. In person after we actually officially got into a relationship. And then it got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> like I'm going to Florida to be with her. What was and she doing for work? What was she doing? She was for working work? at a retail place. Cause she was still in school studying for pastry chef, um, which is what she's doing now. Um, but she was still in school at the time. So she was working a retail job at like some food place. Like a gotcha, gotcha. So you decide. I, I mean, I imagine at some point you bring up the idea of what do you think about me moving 
to Fort Lauderdale. She that she didn't want to come back to New Jersey. She was like, I hate New Jersey. I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. So I was like, all right, well, if you're not coming back and I want to be with you, I guess I'm going there. Right. Very logical train of thought. But was the idea that you were going to get your own place? Or was the idea that you were going to move in together if you came down? I was going to get my own place. Yep. Okay. The okay. So, but you don't place. have a job yet. So what do you do for, so now you got to find a job. I start applying to the places in Florida and I ended up finding a startup there. And I went one of my flights down to talk to her and to hang out with her. I did an interview in person and ended up getting the job. And I was like, well, I got a job. I'm ready to move to Florida. But you had to take a pay cut. I I got a pay raise. I, I, I went from 85K. Well, I left I left that place at 90K and I, I think I went to 100K. So I guess that's a, all in all, it's a pay raise. But now I'm paying rent, right? So like, yeah, yeah. So maybe it's just a wash overall, but you know, I'm paying rent now. Yeah, but what was your rent? You didn't at that time a thousand dollars a month. I think it was like fifteen hundred. I don't know. So I, I got a two bedroom okay. place for some reason. And you drove your car down. You had your car. You got a two bedroom. I sold my car and I bought a new one when I got there. Uh, <laughs> you felt like you needed it. I think what? Well, you had to go to work. I guess you felt like you needed an office or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's fair. It was one of those things. Oh, and, and, or like my family visiting, where am I going to put them? Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But I now it's room. different, dude. Now you're there. Now there's an expectation that your lives have to, and it takes a month or two for lives and schedules to merge. Not on your side, because your schedule's free. But on her side, she's already been planning out the last few months. So that's stressful, right? Like suddenly, so how does all that work out? Like, because it's completely different now. It's a very different way of living, right? I have no friends there. I just have her and her family. And like now I'm on my own and I'm a people person, right? So like I definitely had some homesickness going on, right? I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, is this the right thing to do? I was just questioning things. Um, but yeah, it, it, it ended up working. We ended up figuring it out and getting engaged at, at some point, right? In 2018, we got engaged. So it was like, it ended up working out. But yeah, I... That job that I took, it was great, but it also only lasted 11 months before they laid us off. Again, same concept, ran out of money, laid off half the people. And since I was one of the newer ones, I got laid off. But that time I was panicking because now I have a place that I'm renting. I don't have a lot of runway with money, right? I don't have like unlimited amount of time. So I'm panicking to find another job. So that was that was an interesting time. And I'm in a relationship, right? No, I get it. I get it, but but you're not you're not living together yet. You got engaged. You got engaged even though you and you weren't living together yet. Correct, right? We got engaged. Okay. We're not living together. Um, and so what happens? You so what do you do next? Now it's 2018. You get laid off. I bought a house. <laughs> right, I bought a house before you got, got laid off. When we were still engaged and re ready to get married, I got I bought a house. Yeah, before I got laid off because they were they were asking me like questions of like, what what are you doing? Like, you know, when you're buying a house, you don't really want to make changes. Well, I had to make a change, and that was one of those well, things. You were forced. Yeah. yeah. So I ended up buying a house because I was like, I'm not done. I'm done renting. You don't. You know, I'm just wasting my money. Blah blah. blah. Got a new job at another place, and like kept moving on, and we ended up getting married. Right, like. You got married in 2019? 2018, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. You got engaged and married all within like three to six months. Okay. 
And now you got a new job in Fort Lauderdale as 2019 is coming around here. Correct. I went to Chewy.com, which is, it was down Chewy. there. It's down, yeah, down in Dania Beach. It's not too far. Um, oh, I didn't even know they were down there. Yep. Went there, stayed there for about a year. Um, and then I was like, you know, that's when I bought, you know, bought the house, all that stuff, all that happened while I was at Chewy. And then left Chewy.com on my own will because I was just like, all right, I'm ready for something different. And that was a point, point, point in my career where I, I wanted to pivot. I was like, I'm done with the operation stuff. I want to go more on the software side, right? And that's where I was, I had the realization. I was like, all of these tools I'm using, Terraform, Ansible, Chef, blah, 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 all of it's written in code. I'm just gonna learn how to code. And I had that realization. And now I started backtracking a little bit to go learn the CS stuff that I didn't get in college, right? So that was my pivot to software engineering. Okay, but how did you do that? Because you, this is all happening while you still at Chewy? Yes, I bought a bunch of books. Yep, I bought a bunch of books. I took some courses online like CS50 and other things like that. And the MIT videos are open source. I, I started watching them and just diving in, right? Self-taught. I I didn't go back to school for it. I just bought like I have a whole shelf of books back here that I started reading about programming and whatnot and just dove in, right? And I was at SRE at the time, right? So DevOps, site reliability engineering, that's what I was doing. And I was like, I want to pivot away from this and do more software. So I ended up leaving Chewy, um, and then I went to HashiCorp. Like, it was very interesting. So from Chewy, you went to HashiCorp in, in 2019, while still living in Fort Lauderdale. Correct, because HashiCorp was full-time remote. So now I'm, I'm living in Fort Lauderdale, but I'm not stuck there anymore, right? Like, I can, like we can move, because I'm full-time remote. But she wants to be in South Florida. So I'm kind of curious what happens and how you get back to new as as we're married and living together it dawns on her and i that like we don't really spend a lot of time with our families both of our families are up in new jersey she has some in florida but like you know her immediate family is in new jersey my immediate family is in new jersey wait time out time out time out time out time out what is she doing in south florida if her family isn't i figured her parents were there that's why she was down here Oh, no, no. Her parents were up in Jersey. She wanted to just get away, right? She just wanted to get away, try something new. Who was she living with, though? Some. She was living in, she was living with her uncles and aunts first. And then she, her mom got a condo that like, like a Florida condo, that like a winter condo for her. But then the daughter lived there, you know, she lived there. So yeah, it was one of those. I see. So she just wanted to leave New Jersey and she had the opportunity because of family. And then she just did she it's I it took me six months to love Miami. Like for the first six months after leaving New York, it's a rough transition because you have everything in the world and it's gone like overnight. It's kind of gone. So if you got to get through those first, say, four to six months, um, and it was tough for me a lot. She she loved it down there, but it was tough for me. But it, it got tough for her once we got married because we started visiting our families more up in New Jersey together and like the holidays and stuff. And she's like, I miss being around our families. And one day out of the blue, she's like, we should move back to New Jersey. And I was like, wait, what? You're saying that? Like, are you sure? Are you okay? Did you take any drugs or something? Because like, what? And she's like, yeah, we should go back to New Jersey. And we we did. We just literally like, what year what year was that because you're you're getting into pandemic now so yep 
we, oh man, this is the best part because pandemic was late, late, late 2019 into 2020, right? February, yeah. So I, I think of pandemic as, say, March 20. That's when everything shut down. Correct. Beginning of March. We, we literally just left our house in like November 2019 and went up and stayed with our, our, our parents. And we just didn't go back to Florida. We we're just like, yep, we're just going to stay here now. And pandemic turned. I was like, I'm, I'll go back to Florida, pack up the house and like put up for sale. And that, that was the agreement. So we just ch- stayed there. And we're like, oh, you went from having your own house where I'm just going to say it, where you can walk around naked anytime you want, because that's why you want your own place. Right. To moving back in with your parents with all those my house restrictions again. Dude, that's not easy, man. It's not easy. And we're like, oh, it's just going to be a little while because we're going to find a house pretty quickly. We'll sell the house in Florida. We'll find a house in New Jersey. Springtime's coming up in New Jersey. Very good time to buy a house in the spring. We'll do it. Pandemic hits, you know? So we're already here. House is already up for sale. Pandemic hits. We're like, well, shit, <laughs> what, are, what are we going to do? Right. And we had a, like that point in our lives was very tough because it took us a while to find a house now during the pandemic because we had to wait. You know. But you, you still have your job at HashiCorp. So that's yep. not an issue. Still have my job. What no about her? Because she's was a pastry chef or something you said, right? She was, she, she found a job at like a local bakery and was working there doing her thing. So you didn't have an income issue. You could still pay the mortgage. Now you, yeah. So how long did it take you to sell the house in Florida? I think I put up for sale in about, in about January or February and sold it in May. So about three to four months. Right. But you can't buy the next house really without selling that. That's the logistics here, right? You need that. You need that money to finalize to, to, exactly exactly so and the problem was, was by that time by by may of the pandemic but june or whatever house prices started rocketing so like we were in this weird space now we're like even though we sold our house we can't afford the next one you know and nobody knew what the pandemic was going to be or how long it was going to last so we're like oh we'll just you went in the wrong direction you sold a house in florida and tried to go back to new york if you had sold the house in New York and gone to Florida, you would have, like you went in the wrong direction. So, so luckily you sell the house. You really weren't in it long enough to make. Let's just to say you broke equity, even. Right, yeah. No, yeah. no, right, right. Yeah. But whatever you had between the mortgage and the final price, you have that money in your pocket. But now you can't buy a house in New Jersey. You have to get out of your parents' house, dude. You got to have your own place. So, what do you do? We we didn't know how long the pandemic was going to be. So we were like, oh, we'll just wait it out for a little bit. And then that waiting it out turned into almost two years with their parents, right? Like, you know, living with their parents. And then we finally got a house. It needed a ton of work. And then my dad and I and her, we all did the work to the house and got it up to the code and moved in. And we moved in. So wait, wait, I, was it? Okay. But this time around, when you're living with parents, you're making really good money the both of you are you this time packing it away knowing that you need it oh yeah no for sure i saved up a shit ton of money paid off student loans like all this stuff right like i got rid of a bunch of debt got the down payment for the the house like this time i was i was head down like saving everything right like i don't want to order pizza i'm saving the money right like (laughs) so when when did you buy that house then 2021 i think 
20 like like end of 21 somewhere somewhere in that yeah yeah 2021 like about in the middle of 2021 and then we did work on it for about six months or so because there were some problems that we had to like get people to to fix for us and we fix other things and we ended up moving in right at the end of 2021 so like we and now everybody's happy you feel like this was the right move everyone's happy we're here we're settled we've been in this house for about nine months now like very nice everyone's everyone's happy got our own space up in new jersey got the seasons back got got friends and family back and like everyone's everyone's good and now everybody's pressuring you to have the grandkids right because that's what happens now yep now it's when you're having kids oh you're 30 years old like what's going on you should have kids blah 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 we're like yeah but you know they're pretty pricey and my wife wants to start her own business so she did that so she's selling chocolates and doing her thing on the side um trying to build that up as a business while i'm you know focused on my career here and also making like content for other people right because Part of part of the reason why we're even talking today is like education, right? Like, I when like that question that people ask when they say, "Were you self-taught or, or you know, traditionally taught?" And I'm like, both, honestly, right? Like, I was traditionally taught, but a lot of my stuff I I, le- I learned myself as well. And like, part of the reason why I even became a teacher at New Jersey Institute of Technology in the first place was the curriculum that I went through. It was okay, but it wasn't super practical and it like didn't really get that hands on keyboard. So I was like, I'm going to teach a curriculum that is, is practical and that people love and, and people did. Right. But as I grew, I was like, maybe we don't, you know, maybe, maybe we don't need to go to college to receive this level of education. Right. Maybe there should be more content for other people. And that's when I kind of started like branching out and, and contributing back to the community. Right. And I wrote some, um, exorcism is a, a pretty good platform for learning like go. Um, I contributed there. I, I wrote some of the exercises and concepts there. I did go, go bridge mentoring, right? Like I started giving back to the community and teaching. Cause I realized like I was good at teaching. Right. Uh, and my wife always told me like, you're really good at teaching, so you should do more of it. And that's, that was me kind of trying to like give back so that somebody didn't have to go through the, what I went through. Right. Like they didn't have to like be unsure or like have to backpedal and go forward again, like just give them all the information. So that's kind of, I finally got a chance to like do that, right? And, and start giving back. All right, two things, two things. I, I wanna explore that, but I, I just, I just wanna share this with you. As I get older, now my kids are like 26, 24, and I can't believe this is happening to me, to be honest with you. But I'm starting to have thoughts that I'd like to see some of the next generation. Like, I'm not pushing, and I would never push my kids to have kids. In fact, I still think they need to wait. But I do have in the back of my head all the time, like, I don't want to die until I see at least Someone one. Someone take up the mantle, yeah. Some, something, right? Like, it's weird because I n- I've never had these thoughts before. And for some reason now at 53, I'm starting to have them. So just, like, perspective, I'm starting to realize why, like, I would never say this to the like, but it's... It's weird, man. I'm starting to think about why I'm having these thoughts now, right? Like that just, and maybe like when you're 50 something years old, you're gonna start thinking about the same thing. When it pops in your head, you go, I remember Bill said that, that these thoughts were, were were gonna come in my head. But on the on the teaching side, um, you were given, actually, I'm kind of curious. Were, did you do this on your own? Did you ask for permission? You have built a lot of 
educational content at HashiCorp for Terraform, right? Like you are a primary sort of uh, content creator for all of that stuff. How did that sort of develop? Was it just something you did on your own? Was it initiated by them? It was more things I did on my own, right? Because when I got to HashiCorp, I did support engineering for a while. So I was like fielding support requests for Terraform and related products. And I got to learn a lot about the product. And like being in support, obviously, you don't want more tickets to come in. So like if you see that there's an inconsistency in the documentation, you go fix it. Or if you see there's like something that could be a nice tutorial, you go create that tutorial, right? So like that's what drove that a little bit more. I was like, oh, you know, I can just prevent the issues from ever happening if I just give them more information. Uh, and that drove a lot of it. And then I became like a subject matter expert on Terraform, you know, at the company. And people were not only asking me for to create content, but also asking me to review content that they created to make sure it's okay, right? Like we have a certification exam at HashiCorp for Terraform. I helped create that exam, right? We have a bunch of tutorials on our Learn site. I've reviewed a lot of them, right? Like I just became like this wealth of knowledge for content creation. And mind you, I'm not the only one, but I was a lot of people came to me for those things because I had that, that deep knowledge and I'd be putting out content. I try to put, you know, YouTube videos out, although I suck at editing. So I'm really bad at that, but you know, I just try to give back in that, in that situation and keep going. Um, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you just, I just became a subject matter expert and just kept pouring out information with that and diving deeper into the product. Right. I mean, that's awesome. And now because of all of that hard work, um, one of the things we're looking to offer here at Arden is Matthew teaching Terraform in a, in, a, in a more structured sort of classroom style. Talk a little bit about that because I'm super excited to have you kind of teaching this stuff. There's such a demand for it. I agree. I agree. There's, there's a demand for it. And like there's a lot of noise in the education field, right? Like there's, there's no lack of resources to learn anything in the technology field, right? There's plenty of YouTube videos, plenty of Udemy courses, all of that stuff exists. And that's great. Like, I think more people should make content. However, it's difficult for someone on the outside to find what content really is, is good, right? What's worth it. You know, and when I, when I took your ultimate go training in Florida, like I loved it, not because it's like the best ever. And like, you're the only way to teach go like, you know, there's other people that have opinions too, but like it was, it was, it was high performance training. Right. And like, that's what I feel like lacks in a lot of these, these Udemy courses and videos online. It's like, it doesn't really get, it's not really high performance. It doesn't dive into these things. They kind of just touch surface level concepts and move on. They don't give you the why they don't give you the context. So that's why I'm excited to teach Terraform, you know, with art and labs, because that's my teaching style, right? Like I, if you look back at my time at New Jersey Institute of Technology, why students loved like my content is because of the way I taught it, right? I didn't just say like, this is a Linux VM, have fun. I dove into why do you care about this stuff? Like, you know, what are the common things? And I dove into that content and I really made sure people um, understood it. And that's what I'm excited to do for Terraform because I have a wealth of knowledge and I've seen a lot of these courses out there. I've, I've taken a look at them. I've watched your videos. And while there is some good information there, they are missing some key contexts of like why this stuff's even important, right? Everyone's just like, use Terraform to spin up AWS instance and there you go, have fun. Great, what happens when there's an error? What happens when you need to do this? Like there's there's more to it than the happy path, right? Like, you know, the happy path coding, we're not always gonna follow down the happy, happy path. There's gonna be those, those exceptions to the rule that we're gonna have to dive into. And I feel like I can cover that really well because I've been covering that really well at work. Right. And, and outside of work. 
So I'm, I'm happy to, to do that. I love the why. I think the why allows you to cut a lot of extra content out because once I tell you why, you can form the decision yourself. It's not me telling, I always say, right? It's not me telling you to do this. Here's the why I think you should do this. And then you can choose on your own or even come up with your own idiom at that point. But you understand at least why I'm telling you. And yeah, that lacks a, a lot of educational material lacks that why. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And it's, 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 it's sad a little bit because a lot of this educational material for anything in the world always like they, they have this approach of here's what I'm doing. You should do this too. Right. And like, that's great, but you can't just blindly tell someone to do what you're doing just because you're doing it. Like give them the information of why you chose that and let them decide. Right. Uh, that's how I like to approach my teaching and, and my mentoring is I'm not going to, I'm going to tell I can tell you what I did. Yes. And I can tell you why I did that, but I just want to give you all the information you need to make a decision because a good engineer knows when, when it's time to bend the rules to do something or when it's time to not, right? Like you have to make those engineering decisions yourself and you can't do that without all the information, right? Yeah. And every environment's different. Everyone has different constraints. So what works even in one project may not work in another. And that's the engineering, understanding the costs, right? So uh, I'm, I'm super excited that you'll be able to make yourself available now to teach the, this really important tech. I mean, it's, it's, it's like everywhere this, and I, and I'm telling you, we see the demand for it all the time. So I don't know. I'm super excited, man. Yeah. And a lot of people ask like, you know, like you don't even need to be qualified for certain things nowadays to put up a video on YouTube, right? You could just, you could throw up a video about Terraform tomorrow and you might not even be qualified to do it, right? Like what is a, what is qualified anymore? And I love when that comes up because yes, anyone can make content. Anyone should make content if you're, if you know it, but like, it's one of those bragging rights where I am qualified to make the content. Cause it's like, I wrote part of the exam, right? Like <laughs> I've done this stuff. I, I've assist the people that submit the tickets that they can't solve. Where do they go to? They go to me, right? Like, like I I've handled so many um, exceptions and things with the language and, and how to use Terraform that like, who else could be qualified to, to do this? Right. You know? Yeah, no, I love it. And I think what's really nice is, since you're just starting kind of to put the material in a structured formal way, uh, I, it will be nice to see after you teach it a dozen times, how it morphs and changes a little bit. Cause what I learned was I was getting a ton of questions when I started and those questions start to disappear and you get new questions. And then those questions start to disappear because you've changed the material knowing that these questions are coming. And then, it get to a point where you get maybe a handful of questions for an entire week and they're edge cases and they're like, cool, like, oh man, when the questions start looking like this, you know that you're doing everything else fairly clean, right? So, so that's something I want you to kind of track, like look at where the questions are, what they are and where they're coming from and how do those questions progress over time? That's really important. That's what I, that's, that's what made my Linux course at NJIT successful was that like I did, I, I, I mutated the, the material, right? I updated it. I changed it, whatever I needed to do. As, as I taught it semester after semester, I took the feedback and I was like, you know, what could have been better? What could, what was, what was, what was too, what was unclear? What did people struggle with? And I morphed the material and like those questions start getting filtered down, uh, like you said, right? Into more actionable questions. So 
it is nice and something I'm aware of. And I know V1 is not going to be the final version, right? You'll have to morph the material over time and go for what people are asking, right? So it's, it's one of those things. And I want to focus on Terraform, right? Like, like I want to focus on using Terraform and what it provides and how to use it rather than like, oh, here's how to just create your Kubernetes cluster in Terraform. Have fun. Bye. Like, no, we're not. The goal is not that. The goal is to learn about Terraform, right? So that you can create your Kubernetes cluster, your VMs, your load balancers, whatever you need to create, because you know enough about Terraform now to, to morph it into those things that you need. If I just focus on your end goal, which is to create that Kubernetes cluster or whatever, you don't, you're never going to learn Terraform and it's going to, you know, you're going to be that one trick pony, right? Like you only know how to create the Kubernetes cluster. Now, if I ask you to create the load balancer, you're like, uh, sorry, don't really know anymore. Right? Like, yeah, but, but, but the other value in that is, you know, what questions to ask and what words to use and what to look for. And now reading documentation becomes 10 times easier because you can understand what that doc is really trying to say to you. Right. And that's why that why is so important. Exactly. Learning how to scan documentation is an art and a skill and one that great engineers do well. So you've been doing this Terraform for, for let me let me look again, about four years. So I love asking engineers, especially after even after like three years, but you're four years in. Are you and anybody listening to HashiCorp? Oh, this is a fair question here. Are you getting bored yet? Like, is there still enough for you to do and learn? at least on this product to keep you interested for another couple of years? Yeah. I mean, Terraform is, they're moving in a good direction. There's some stuff coming down the line. That's pretty cool. Um, there's like this experimental test command for testing Terraform. I think that's a really cool space because a lot of people have been asking about that. So there's enough content to keep me interested from like that teaching perspective. However, I am also trying to move my career into more software and I am trying to step away from the ops more and more. Right? I'm trying to distance myself from it. So there's that perspective as well. That's that's fighting it. But that, that doesn't affect like me wanting to teach it. Right. Like um, I am like writing less and less Terraform in my day job, but not because like I don't want to use language, but because I'm I'm moving in this direction with my career. Right. But it doesn't mean I don't know it and that, that I don't like use it. I just don't use it as much as I did in the past. Right. So, and that's a good thing. Cause like you, you train others, right? Like you train others to, to take up that mantle and like they start writing the Terraform and you, you become less of a writer of it and more of a reviewer of it. And I don't know, I, I like that way. Cause it's, you know, if I stayed writing it forever, that means I'm not really doing my job of up-leveling my team, you know? So that's kind of how I look at it. But I'm going to throw Qlang back at you as we end the podcast, because I think that's going to be a programming environment for you and it complements everything you're doing and it i think it's going to be the next big thing i, I you know i i think there's going to be careers made from this language i'm gonna i'm gonna check it back out i remember like i said i i looked at it a couple of years ago i didn't really dive into it but i'm going to keep it in in the back of my mind and i agree with you like that validation layer is super important uh and one that engineers need, need to be aware of one last thing before I guess we we close it is I agree with you about the next generation taking the mantle, right? I I'm not 53 yet, obviously, but uh, I I have had these thoughts and I, I have the same like concerns with I need to make sure my team is okay or the next generation is okay before I can move on, sort of deal. I have those thoughts and ideas, and I just wanted to say to whoever's going to listen to this is that like 
I started contributing from literally the docs, right? I started from like the bottom, like just the docs and I worked my way up. So look where I have, like, look where I am now, right? And I'm assuming the same thing with you, Bill, right? Like you didn't just no go, right? You started from somewhere and you built yourself up over time. So to anyone listening, I want to encourage you that the most important thing is just to begin. doesn't matter where you begin. doesn't matter like whatever, just begin and build it up over time. And then you'll look back and realize like, wow, I've, I've become more of an expert in this, you know? So don't be afraid to do that. You don't need like all these people that you look up to as idols. They started somewhere too. And you know, you can start too. So if, if you're concerned about the next generation and you want to be part of the next generation, just begin, right? Just put in that effort and start. I, I love that because as I, as I try to tell people, no one, no one's born with this information. It's a marathon and you have to take the baby steps. This isn't about sprint, like baby steps. And you're right, before you know it, just like the last hour plus that we've spent talking, the time has gone by. And how much more have we learned over that small balance time taking baby steps? And you just have to do, if not, it's overwhelming and you'll be paralyzed, right? Yep, Todd McLeod said it best, right? I, drop by drop, the bucket gets filled. I. I really agree with that. You know, you can't, you're not going to make leaps and bounds. You're going to make baby steps. And then you'll look back over time saying, wow, I've, I've really come a long way. So I really want to encourage people to do that. And if you've listened to my story today on this podcast, you'll know that I didn't start when I was like seven years old, right? I started way late in college. I still look at these 14 year olds today and I'm like, wow, they're so much better than me. Like it's going to happen, right? It's not, everyone has, everyone's on their own journey and their own path, but you have the ability today to make a decision about what your future path's going to be, right? Don't don't look back over the next six months and be like, I wish I could have done that. Do it, right? Do that thing. And things happen for a reason, and that's what got you exactly where you are right now. So you wouldn't want to change anything anyway. Exactly, exactly. Okay, Matthew, if anybody wants to talk to you after listening to the show, we'll get this in the show notes, obviously, but what is the best way for someone to reach out to you? Uh, Twitter is probably the best. My handle is at pseudomateo. It's um, my LinkedIn is also there, but Twitter is probably the best because I am pretty open on Twitter and I, I see that the most. So I would say um, reach out to me on Twitter. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you again for spending all this time and, and telling your story. I got a little personal here and there, but it was, it was, it was too, too much. I had to, I had to get some answers there. So, so I really appreciate you sharing. No, I, I think it's, I think it's important to get a little personal sometimes. We we always keep it about the tech in these like in a lot of these podcasts. It's nice to see the human side of things too, right? And and see where people come from. So I appreciate that. Brilliant. Okay. This is Matthew and Bill Kennedy signing off from the Art Labs podcast. And I hope to see everybody again real soon.